1: citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that's just going to crash down into Earth from an alien planet. And we're going to be bad. Oh, we're going to be so bad? We're going to be so bad. Everyone's going to be like, you guys should be good, but we're going to be bad. Oh,
0: Oh, you know what? You guys guys are so bad.
1: (laughs) I feel like we just said the, the plot and premise of this movie already. Yeah, the elevator pitch. (laughs) Well, the whole movie's an elevator pitch when you think about it. (laughs) But today we are talking about 2019's Brightburn, directed by famous director David Yarovesky. He's got
0: another movie, I think.
1: What's it called? I'm not looking it up. I have precious IMDb time in my life to waste, and I'm not going to do it on famous director David Yarovesky.
0: It's called The Hive, so dude's got a thing for bees.
1: Clearly, he's got a thing for B. There's a lot of B-talk in this movie. There's quite a bit of B-talk. Have you ever seen this thing before? Hell no. Did you just miss it? Because I remember this is like a pretty popular thing when it came
0: out. How popular could it have been? It only made $32 million.
1: I know, but I feel like people like saw this thing. I remember people telling me, like, you got to see Briper, and you got to see Briper. I'm like, that seems like I got to work
0: to go see it, though. I think there's like a specific intersection of people that this movie was just for.
1: That completely checks out after... Now, watching it, I get where your head's at with that.
0: And uh, I've never been a big horror buff, so I just kind of missed this one, you know? Are you calling this proper horror? I don't know. I think it wants to be. I think it wants to be a number of things.
1: Horror, slasher, kind of comic book, kind of superhero. Yeah. I don't know what. Let's just dive in and find out, though. Let's figure this movie out. Let's get into it. Let's just
0: do the thing. Tori and Kyle Breyer. Elizabeth Banks and David Denman. That's right. Roy from The Office. Both
1: deserve a fucking for this movie, Brian. Yeah,
0: okay. Elizabeth
1: fucking Banks and David fucking Denman. My first thought seeing them when they were mid-coital on that bed after we (laughs) just saw all those infertility books that they have a library of, which I can't imagine these books are saying different things at a a point. (laughs) There's just so many. If you have books of the same topic and you have like multiple of them, what
0: more are you getting out of it? I, don't, I never understood that. I would just be like, hey, Jon Favreau, stop giving us these. <laughs> That's
1: very fair. I was shocked to see that it was Elizabeth Banks and David Denman. And I was mostly shocked to see that it was David Denman.
0: I Exactly. I was like, hey, they got real people for this movie. Very weird start. Speaking of those two, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact already. Oh, okay. Firing away. Right off the bat, now there's only 21 for this movie, so you can't expect too many. <clears throat> but did you um, pull
1: 21? Because that would be, but that would be
0: amazing. But no, I didn't pull 21. Okay, <laughs> I never pull these ones because I think they're dumb. Because it's like this actor and this actor were in this together. But I just want to remind you that this is out there on the horizon. Elizabeth Banks and David Denman both appeared in Power Rangers 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah, You yeah, Had to do that, huh?
0: I did. I had to. Legally obligated.
1: Is it bad? that I'm now curious about Power Rangers from 2017.
0: <laughs> Maybe? I don't okay, know. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody watched that, and they were like, you know what I need to make with these two? Evil Superman. That's where my head went right away. So one night, these two are getting hot and heavy, trying to make a baby, and there's a big old kaboom outside. Mostly because there wasn't a kaboom inside. You know, <laughs> the infertility books. All of those books. So we cut to some home video footage of a baby boy doing baby boy things, while Elizabeth Banks says things like, Oh, and... Look at him! <laughs> it's just the most
1: generic home videos ever.
0: <laughs> and then it's like ten years later, and we're meant to try to figure out if that's from the first scene or from the random home videos. I don't know.
1: Doesn't seem all that important. This movie doesn't seem to care too much about. We won't times find out for like lines. three or
0: four more scenes. So that's right. <laughs> Tori is looking for her son Brandon because he's got to go to school. Because what he's doing, he's playing hide and seek. In the barn, where he's absolutely not supposed to be, for reasons. Right. And I'm going to do
1: a little bit of an unprompted Cape Podcaster's Theater here. Oh. Let me get into my Elizabeth Banks character. It's been a while. Ready for this? Yeah. Ready for this? I'm going to deliver her lines perfectly, okay. just like yep. she would. Yep. Brandon? 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 Sir, But then you... do that for another four minutes.
0: <laughs> you are the one who gave her a fucking for this movie, I'll remind you. I did, because I later.
1: Yeah, they do a whole whistle thing. That they got, they got a whistle. Happens
0: thing. <laughs> at school. Brandon is scribbling away in his notebook, not paying attention, cause you know this kid. <laughs> but when the teacher calls on him, dude knows fucking everything about wasps, including one species that uses brute force to make other wasp species raise their young.
1: That poor table.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> it's gonna get destroyed. This movie. My knuckles are gonna get bloody. <laughs> This
1: kid knows way too much about
0: wasps. Yeah, he sure does. And this one bully calls him a maggot, which is super embarrassing. So the girl in front of him, Caitlin, she's like, hey, don't worry. Smart guys end up ruling the planet. Yep, just keep
1: bashing away.
0: I think for the, the safety of my hands, I need to just leave it at that for this movie. All
1: right, how about this? Come up with an audible device. An audible? That's going to signal the bashing of your table. So that you can save your poor little fingies. Because <laughs> they're going to get 11. wrecked. <laughs> <A-hooga>! <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. A Jim Carrey looking at
0: Cameron Diaz in the mask type sound. That's perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> so things need to get moving plot-wise here. So something in the garage starts glowing red. And Brandon starts seizing out of control in his bed. While Tori's just downstairs painting away. Just doing her paintings. Has no idea what's going on upstairs. Or out in the barn. She's like, listen to
1: her music on her boombox, and her boombox starts getting all screwy. She hits it and then turns it off, keeps
0: painting away. It's like, this mom is oblivious. Completely. So, Brandon, he starts sleepwalking and jumps out of his window, and As she's like, "Yeah, uh, what was that noise?
1: She hears a thud outside, goes... Down the stairs outside <laughs> and just sees like the swings w- that have the chain going
0: creak, creak, creak. As it
1: goes, she goes, oh, it was the swings. She's like, no, oh. it fucking wasn't.
0: Right. Wind makes a thud noise. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, lady. So as she's walking back in, she hears something rush past and she looks over her shoulder. and She catches a glimpse of of Brandon going through the l- the laundry, hanging up to dry.
1: Right. So naturally, because this is a movie. She walks in between all the laundry instead of around all dramatically it. instead mm-hmm. of around it because she wants to be within that like two feet area where all that sweet laundry is hanging. So that yeah. you know, the drama.
0: She's very conscious of setting up good shots in her life.
1: Well, so is this director, or yeah. so he thinks. Because <laughs> if I drank for every time he did rack focus in the first ten oh, minutes, man. I'd at least have a buzz. <laughs> I wouldn't be full blown drunk quite yet. But, man, I'd be feeling pretty good.
0: I think I have to change my glasses. What is happening? (laughs) This guy can't focus on anything.
1: He can't. It's like the most bullshit rack focus ever. It made me think, like, the new Apple commercials that you have, that has, like, oh, the cinema view in the camera. It's like, everyone's a filmmaker now, even though that's not at all what it is. (laughs) It's not what filmmaking (laughs) is. And it's like the actor walks in from the background, and the camera just racks the focus onto him now, and now the person in the foreground is all blurry. It's like, we get it. We understand how that works.
0: Yep. You don't need to go wild with it. You don't have to use it every three seconds. (laughs) Unbelievable. So Tori catches a glimpse of Brandon and follows him into the barn, where again, he's not supposed to be. Shouldn't be there. Bad Brandon. This kid is just violently tugging on a hatch in the floor, which, you know, probably not what you want if you got an alien kid.
1: Especially if you know he's an alien kid and he's doing weird alien-like things, and your first instinct is to treat him like a human. It's like, no. This is yeah. a yellow flag, at the very least.
0: At the least, she walks up to him and she calmly is like, "Brandon, Brand." She still hasn't changed her line from the from the first scene. <laughs> That's right, Brandon. <laughs> she touches him on the shoulder. He wakes up. And she's like, "Oh, we got to go back inside. You're acting like a fool."
1: I like how Brand's like, "Oh, where am I?" It's like you're in the barn, dude. You were there this morning. This is like Chekhov's barn here, and it's come back already.
0: It's it's quick, you know. If you see a barn in the first scene. You got to bring that barn back in the second scene. In the scene. third scene. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back inside and and Roy is like, "Hey, is everything cool?" And she's like,
1: "I love how you're just calling him Roy."
0: I mean, I love it. His name's Kyle in this movie. It is. I'm okay with Roy. He's a Roy. He'll always be Roy to me. Tori's like, uh, yeah, he was sleepwalking downstairs." What? No. Rule number 1 is if you, <laughs> Rule number 1 of having an alien kid is if the only other person who knows he's an alien asks you a question about him, you tell the truth. I feel like that's just the rule in general for
1: secrets. Like, you're in a secret with someone else. It's like, the law of cahoots says you gotta pass that info back and forth to each other. You are in cahoots!
0: You exist within the laws of cahoots. And cahoots clearly state, when the alien kid is tugging on the door to a spaceship, you gotta let the other person know. You absolutely do! The other person is a very giant, roy from
1: the office who has guns both arm wise and pew pew wise
0: and the next morning he's like hey when you were a baby i don't know what the fuck to do with you so i gave you candy and (laughs) you might think oh that's gonna come back that candy just like the barn it's coming back and no it's not ever it's just a scene that happens it's just like here's some blue candy like hey that's like a Maybe that's like his kryptonite.
1: Can you imagine that though? It's just like he walks into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and he just starts like convulsing on the floor. <laughs> and Gene Wilder's like, What we're not even in the trap room yet. What is he doing? I don't understand any of this. <laughs> I don't have a song for this. <laughs> what, is, what is he doing? <laughs> we have the kid who goes up the pipe, we got the golden goose, we got the Mike TV. And we got the blueberry girl. We didn't plan for seizure, kid, because this <laughs> kryptonite is candy. Oh,
0: of all the people to find a golden ticket.
1: Did somebody not vet this
0: kid? All you Opa Loopas are out of the job. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is supposed to be my murder factory, and you're
1: embarrassing me in front of the whole world.
0: oom pa loom pa doop do <laughs> That's so sad. Well, you fired all of them. They're going to be sad. I had to. They, they hadn't come up with a rhyme for EpiPen yet. <laughs> I don't think that works with kryptonite.
1: I don't think it does. That'd be really, really weird if, like, Superman just gets like a, a whole handful of kryptonite and he just like <laughs> stabs himself in the leg with an EpiPen, and then Martin is just in the corner getting off with his Wu Tang album.
0: <laughs> oh God, what a <laughs> schmuck! Uh huh. If I ever get to write a Superman book, there's going to be. A Kryptonian EpiPen, for sure.
1: <laughs> it turns out that he's, like, super-duper allergic to, like, kryptonite, but also, like, ragweed.
0: <laughs> like, something super generic. Yeah, he's got <laughs> super bad allergies, man. So Roy leaves, and Brandon has to start the lawnmower by himself, but he's he's just a little kid. He's not very strong. He's yanking on the thing, and he's getting Oh, God, mad. I related so hard. I agree. And like, until he yanked it so hard that he threw it 200 yards over his shoulder.
1: Yeah, that's pretty unrealistic, isn't it, for just a little boy?
0: For a little 12-year-old guy.
1: But this isn't just any 12-year-old boy.
0: That's that's the impression I'm beginning to get. So now, of course, the, the lawnmower's running upside down all the way across the yard. So he <laughs> as, walks up to it. As lawnmowers typically do. Yeah, and he sticks his hand in the blade, as you do. Puberty, right? It does weird things to us all. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get hurt because, again, there's something special about this kid. Sure. That night, they all go to the local diner to celebrate Brandon's 12th birthday. We got it. We figured out where the 10 years is from. It's from the videos. I'm
1: glad we finally figured it out a half hour later. So his uncle,
0: Noah, Matt fucking Jones. Oh, God,
1: he's so good all the time and everything. time. For forever.
0: He And he's got that face where he's just like, I like this guy. I don't know why, I just fucking like him. And he's got that voice too. Oh, the voice is the best part.
1: His voice sounds like it's like, you know, whenever you give your dog a toy and it has the squeaker in it? Yeah. But like the dog in the first five minutes just punctures the squeaker enough yes. that just air starts leaking out of it, but the toy still works.
0: That's Matt Jones. That's
1: Matt Jones.
0: So this is Uncle Noah. He's married to Tori's sister, Marilee, who's played by Meredith Hagner, who's also the school guns counselor, because we're like Cast more people? No. No, we have all these people. These people are just fine. We're going to use the five we have. <laughs> so Uncle Noah, he got Brandon a gun for his 12th birthday, and Roy is like, hey, wow, nope. You can't go buying guns for kids without talking to their parents first.
1: I feel like that's a rule. And then gifting them in public in a
0: diner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, Kansas.
1: That's actually
0: pretty fair. <laughs> <laughs> So, Roy takes away the gun. He's like, you can't have this. You're a kid. And Brandon's like, I'm 12. He's like, yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, no, I heard it. And then Brandon's like, give me the gun. And everybody's like, oh, shit.
1: What's going on here? They're not even like, oh, shit. Because Roy is just like, all right, no ice cream. We're out of here. It's like, your kid just went demonic. And you just (laughs) say no ice cream.
0: We're leaving, you little shit. When that kid's voice comes out that way, you give him all the ice cream. I get the distinct impression that his parents regularly forget that he's an alien.
1: He just looks so human. Uh, he does it. Jackson A. Dunn does not
0: The actor. That's true. He's. Uh, he also, you might remember him from the one scene in Endgame where Scott Lang comes out of the time machine as a little boy. That's right.
1: This is little kid. Scotty.
0: Little Scott. Dave, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact for you. All right. At around 14 minutes and 30 seconds, when the family are at Darba's Family Grill celebrating Brandon's birthday, it is clearly a shuttered Hardee's based on the outside facade. All right. Before you it, know, <laughs> I think it could probably be a Carl's Jr. And this IMDb trivia fag is being very presumptuous. I guess you're right. That's all I got for that one. Fantastic. <laughs> Back at home, Roy expresses concern about the changes in Brendan's behavior. But Tori is like, We can never abandon our son. A-o-ga. There it is.
1: It was perfect.
0: So Roy is like, let's go camping, because that's obviously what you do when you
1: can't agree what to do
0: with your alien kid.
1: I don't understand the alien kid at all. It's just like, all of a sudden, his alien body in Earth years has turned 12, and all of a sudden, it's like, all right, I'm a dick now. Time to start being an asshole. Boy, I'm glad that this 12 years around that big old star- that we go around here in this solar system. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it aligned perfectly with how dicks become dicks.
0: Pretty neat that it's all happening right on his birthday that was probably just given to him by these Earth people.
1: <laughs> I don't know if they correlate at all. The I, it anniversary might have to be with, when he got close enough to the ship that it, like, corrupted him. I think that's what we're supposed to oh, take maybe. away from it. But at the same time, I have no idea.
0: But he was drawn to the ship before he was corrupted by it, so. Correct. Unless it was the hide-and-seek. It was all that fucking hide-and-seek in the first scene. That's what did it. He
1: hid so well
0: so in close a place to he ship. wasn't supposed to hide that he might have gotten corrupted. I'm going to start talking to you in your sleep now, little boy. Or he turned 12. One or the other. You know, your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole family's packing up to go camping, and this kid just starts chewing on a fork like a weirdo.
1: Oh, God, I hated it so much. Uh, that's awful. But it's really just a gross out. That's all it is. It's that just is all it is. A quick gross out. I think what's weirder is how when they're loading up the back of this pickup truck, Elizabeth Banks is throwing sleeping bags into it. And she says, oh, is that four? And Roy says, no, it's three. We're good. It's like, why would you load four? There's three of you. Why right? is it even a line of dialogue in this movie?
0: What a weird question to ask. Oh, did why I would give you, you even, even own Too four? many sleeping bags? No, you gave me the correct amount of sleeping bags for the number of people we are. We have two human sleeping bags, one alien sleeping bag. I might have accidentally grabbed three human sleeping bags. You know, I <laughs> and never one know. alien still? We don't know what kind of sleeping bag he's going to want. You know, he's been an asshole since he turned 12. That's right. Both days of it. He's been horrible. <laughs> so Tori goes up to his bedroom and she finds his under the mattress stash, which has the typical 12-year-old spank bank materials, you know, lingerie ads and pictures of internal organs.
1: <laughs> All the stuff to uh, get you going, get that <laughs> oh, yeah. engine revving.
0: All the stuff that goes, hey, that's what I like <laughs> to see. Let me get in them guts.
1: But I love how Roy is going through it, just like, yeah, this is normal, this is normal. That's not normal.
0: That's weird. And she's like, you need to have the talk with your kid.
1: When the hell did he start doing the weird stuff? Is this like before we met him, he was pulling pictures of, like, guts? Apparently. But I have no idea, because nothing's established before him. We never get to see this sweet baby boy or anything like that. So I don't know. All we see
0: is the generic home video, and then the kid who doesn't pay attention in class but knows all about wasps. Exactly. Character developments. So we cut right to the camping trip. And Roy is like, hey, kiddo. You know, your body's going through some changes. So, you know, if you're thinking about girls a lot, it's okay to touch it or play with it.
1: And this scene, watching David
0: Denman do this, Made me
1: wish that David Denman would just be on cameo doing this. Oh my just god! This. Yes, of like ex- like parents don't feel like explaining shit to their twelve year old sons. Get David Denman to do it. Just Have hire Roy right to talk. give <laughs> your kid the talk. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be perfect every single time. I bet this guy is like just so damn charming all the time.
0: He is. He's like, hey, it's okay to touch it or play with it, and the kid's like, what? Like, your penis. <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes on. I shouldn't
1: have to say this. <laughs> it's like, but it's you your penis. What are you doing with
0: pictures under your mattress if
1: you don't know what your penis is? Like, what are you doing with those pictures? Just I don't understand
0: at this studying? point. Studying? I don't. He goes on to say, but sex is really about finding the right person and falling in love. But you're going to get these urges. And I want you to know, son, that it's totally cool to give in to those urges. Uh, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe don't say that ever. That's probably like the worst
0: phrasing you could possibly have, buddy. Alright, so remember that cameo idea that I came up with yeah, for David Denman. Maybe scrap that.
1: Maybe um maybe we just shut it down. Like we turn the mic off and the camera off on him and keep oh David, you're doing great. Keep going. <laughs> oh, Do the yeah, thing no. about the act on it. We're yeah, not that's... totally sending this out already. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's not complete.
0: Oh, you're still talking. No, we're still recording. Yeah, it's... so of course. Yeah. L- uh the l- l- red lights on. Keep going. <laughs> so you know. Act on those urges. It's okay, bud.
1: Gross. <laughs> I got a feeling he will, mostly because he says, okay.
0: L- like right now? N-
1: just no, starting no, now? Like this thing just like green flags down. I could just go to town on whatever it is I want to do. You saw the weird pictures of the guts, right? <laughs> I just want
0: to make sure you saw that dad because of what you just told me to do. Again, these guys have completely forgotten their kids an alien. Uh-huh. They sure have. So that night. Tori wakes up in the tent. She turns on the light. Brandon is gone. So she's like, "I got to go outside and say my line again." "Brandon? Brandon?" Yep, she's just really beating it into everybody's yeah. brains. And guess where he is? He's in Caitlyn's bedroom, the girl from school, being a creep.
1: Yeah, Caitlyn's not happy with this either cuz he's like he's hiding behind the curtains, and then we see, like, the curtains blow, and he's just sitting there, and Caitlin's like, hell no! And her mom comes rushing in, and she's like, oh, the weird Brandon Breyer kid is behind the curtains, and the mom
0: moves him, and it's like, no, she's not. He's not here, but she's also gonna look on her face like, oh, that kid was being fucking weird at his 12th birthday party, the diner I work at, so, probably. It's possible. He's got a gun now. I should say that to you, Caitlin. So maybe just go easy on the weird kid, okay? As you can imagine... Caitlin's pretty shook. I would say. At school, Brandon is doodling up some kind of superhero and a double B logo thing, and that's probably going to come back.
1: Just like everything in this movie. This movie doesn't care for loose ends at all. <laughs> except for the candy. Well, The candy's a big one, actually. And except for the whole ending, actually, now that I think about it. We'll get there.
0: That night, because that's all we do. We go day scene, night scene, day scene, night scene. Roy hears a clatter out by the barn. You
1: sound, like, upset about the way that You know, time works, especially when it's a day-to-day movie.
0: Days are usually more than like, hey, I picked the kid up from school. That's the whole day. Now we (laughs) we do a night scene. I mean,
1: he's a farmer. Not every farm is as interesting as Clarkson's farm.
0: I don't know. It just went from camp to doodling to night again. That's actually a good point. (laughs) The way that it flows.
1: It's like, what's next? I don't know. What's the plot
0: say? Do we just do have that. a day scene? Just Let's do, do a night that. scene now. Roy hears a clatter up by the barn. So he goes out with a gun, and he finds Brandon just standing in front of the chicken coop, staring.
1: The chickens are not having this either.
0: They are freaking out. It was, they made enough noise for Roy to be like, fucking wolf, and go out and, and check it out.
1: And he has his rifle, and he like points it at his kid. When he notices the kid, he puts the rifle down.
0: He's like, oh shit. These chickens the are still freaking out, man. A lot of nuts. questions should be asked. And he's like, hey, Brandon the hell are you doing it's 10 30 at night go to bed so the kid just goes back inside but when roy comes out later all of the chickens are dead and one of them looks particularly rotissaried and i like how roy gets the wife tori yeah and he's
1: like you gotta look at these dead chickens and she's like a ah, dang wolf, uh, wolf. like, no it's not the wolf it's the kid he was standing out here being weird with the chickens. The guts pictures. It's remember those we found. Brandon would his never mattress.
0: do something like that. It's clearly a wolf with thumbs.
1: <laughs> I love Roy's reaction. He's like, You really think that a wolf is gonna not only just pick the lock that's there, but also take the door off and just rip it off?
0: <laughs> you know, you
1: think that's a wolf,
0: huh? Like wolves do. We've really set up the dynamic between these two already. Just like Tori's gonna be like, Brandon can do no wrong, and Kyle's like, that kid's a fucking alien. He's
1: right, though. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the, the part of this movie that I feel like gets forgotten about is that this kid's an alien.
0: Right. And for some reason, his parents refuse to treat him like an alien.
1: It blows my mind. You think Alan Strange got away with this?
0: <laughs> Maybe a little bit.
1: Probably a little bit. <laughs> he wasn't going around staring at chickens, having pictures of guts under his bed. That's true, as far as we know. Because Kyle would have run into Alan Strange's bedroom, like, "Do you have it?" And Alan Strange be like, "No,
0: no, I,
1: no, I don't. This isn't my time slot."
0: What, what, what would you do if I, if I had it?
1: But at the same time, Tori would probably come in right after that. This whole father son conversations happen. She'd be like, "Hey, dude," because she's the cool one, right? As she keeps reminding us, you know, because in the
0: first scene she has a little little strand of like blue or purple hair. So it's true. I mean, she's artistic in Kansas. Yeah, and she wears band shirts. She has a Ramones shirt. Oh man! Scene. So like, you know, this is a cool mom. I'm hip. I'm cool. (laughs) 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 Oh, someday soon, I can't wait. Maybe. Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> Say maybe uh, all you want. Someday soon. Fair enough. So the next day, in gym class, Brandon and his classmates are doing trust exercises. Typical gym day. Sure. So they're, they're you know, they got the circle going. They're pushing Brandon around. He's like, I'm safe because all of my friends will catch me. But Caitlin, she lets him fall on the ground because she doesn't want to touch him.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of trust there. And the gym teacher's like, help him up. And she's like, but he's a pervert. Based on a, a- possible hallucination that she had. She just, like, outs him as a pervert in front of the whole class. And I like how after she calls him a pervert, gym just like, you gotta help him up or else you fail this class.
0: Which, um, probably not the right reaction to have. Not the
1: right reaction. The, the question should be, why do you think that? Right. Caitlin? Not,
0: not help
1: up the pervert or you fail. Yep. Uh,
0: a little problematic. A, a little bit. So Caitlin, obviously, doesn't want to fail gym class because she was bad at trust exercises, goes to help <laughs> That's Brandon up. the worst way to
1: do it. <laughs> so how'd you fail gym class?
0: I'm untrustworthy.
1: That's it. <laughs> I didn't feel like dodging any balls. And my teacher said, you fail gym. What the hell's up with that?
0: What is, what? I'm just not trustworthy enough to pass gym class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate test. Gym class.
0: So she goes to help Brandon up. She gives him her hand and he takes it, and he squeezes it and breaks the shit out of it. Yeah, he crushes that bad boy. Absolutely destroys her hand. Obviously, that's going to be a call the parents kind of situation.
1: You think? <laughs> <laughs> but I like how he's now just sitting there in, like, outside of the principal's office while his parents are in there. The girl's mom is in there, and the sheriff
0: is in there talking to the principal. The sheriff. The sheriff got called because of this. Caitlin's mom really wants this 12-year-old arrested. Which is wild. Which is absolutely nuts. I mean, yeah, girl's got a broken hand, but you can't just go arresting 12-year-olds. But this also does remind me of when I was in high school, one of
1: our teachers was adamant about this, which was insane. It's like junior year history, maybe? Okay. And he was adamant. He's like, you ever got in a fight? Make sure you do it on school property, because if you do it off school property, then the law can get involved.
0: That's a cool teacher.
1: It was nuts because it felt like he was like trying to start his own little like fight club. <laughs> the first like, rule
0: about history class is you do not talk about history class. You keep
1: it on school property or else the fuzz is going to get involved. <laughs> no, you beat the hell out of each other here, here and now. And I want to watch it. Is this the same history teacher? This would have been a year before
0: that history oh, teacher okay.
1: of the thruple. And people who don't know anything about the thruple have not listened to our Monty and the Holy Grail episode
0: on Patreon. Go to our Patreon this month especially since we're wrapping up the month now's the time now is
1: the time if you haven't gone onto patreon and subscribe even for just this month 100% of donations go on to extra life foundation to benefit the children's miracle network hospitals
0: as of right now we've raised $288.50 thanks to your the dad 50
1: cents thanks <laughs> to my dad of
0: course so all that going right to extra life
1: get on there donate you can take your money back next month don't care It's not really about that. This is about the kids right now. Exactly. The human ones, not the alien ones. Right. Let's talk about
0: the alien ones, though.
1: This time we should. In this episode, we should talk about the alien kid.
0: When they get home, Roy is still like, I don't know about that kid. He's never even bled, which is a weird time in the movie to bring that up. It's like an unbreakable moment.
1: Have I ever been
0: sick? I don't know. That's a weird thing to ask. Out of nowhere. And Tori's like, boys will be boys, basically. So Brandon sleepwalks again that night. Sleepwalks. I don't even know. Is he really sleepwalking? He's not. He's not at all.
1: He gets called to the barn, seemingly. And and he just just By a red light. And he just takes off.
0: (laughs) But this time, he gets into the hatch, revealing a spaceship, which cuts him pretty bad. Which is interesting, because in the very last scene, they were like, he's never even (laughs) bled. And now he's bleeding. So, you know, surely this won't come back.
1: And I love how he has to point out, like... It cut me, just to make sure in case we didn't see it, Right. we at least heard it. We're just getting all these senses involved here to make sure that we know. <laughs> now he bleeds. Uh,
0: guys, just, just so you know, uh, we need to make sure that everybody realizes the kid is bleeding now, so when he, comes, when he comes back later in the movie, they remember, like, oh, yeah, that's the thing that made him bleed. Uh, this
1: is the first AD. I have an idea of how we can uh, do that. Okay, go. Okay, so what we got to do is we're going to make a sound co- like... <laughs> on set and everyone will know that the kid can now bleed got it <laughs> do your wands action bleed the kid Ahoga! Ahoga!
0: <laughs> do we need to bring Favre to set <laughs> Tori follows him because she sees the red light aglowin and she gets there just in time to have to explain why there's a spaceship in the barn Conversation
1: you never think you have to have with your kid. Yeah, Except you know? You probably should have had this conversation with this kid much, much earlier and got him like accustomed to it.
0: In the last 12 years, it probably would have been good to bring up.
1: So do you think this is kind of like the difference between the Kent's and the briars Because the Kent's never really hit it too much from Clark. Like, oh, you're different. You're special. You kind of have to hide your power a little bit.
0: It's definitely a difference. I don't know if it's the main difference. The definitive difference. But it's it's definitely it's certainly. A factor.
1: Okay, because these are loving parents. These are very loving parents.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Roy kind of has his moments where he's like, I don't know about this kid. Roy, the
1: entire movie is pretty much doing a Michael Bluth. Like, oh, come on, buddy. That's okay, buddy. (laughs) No, no, you do you, buddy.
0: So Tori's all like, so you know Superman? Same origin story. We couldn't have a kid. You crashed in our yard. We kept you. And he gets mad. He's like, you guys are liars. I hate you. I'm going to throw some
1: stuff around the living room and go to bed. That seems like an appropriate freakout. It does. When your budget's only $6 million. Except he doesn't go to bed. (laughs) No, he doesn't.
0: We cut to Caitlin, who's writing a paper about the decline of truth and justice in the modern world. Ah Auga! Yeah,
1: that's not even trying there. And fucking Brandon shows up. And Caitlin's reaction is not the type of reaction of, This boy's a pervert. I saw him in my room. Whenever he went camping, either yesterday, or two days ago, it doesn't matter. Who knows? Then he completely decimated my hand. And now he's in my bedroom. Exercise. Again. Now he's in my bedroom. And she just starts tearing up, just going like, what do you want? She's
0: pretty freaked out. Not screaming. Not what well, she no. should be. She probably should be, but her mom's not even home, so there's no one for, no one for her to scream for. So you're just saying she's saving her energy just She's engaged, just like in case I gotta throw down. I think she's paralyzed with fear. And she's like, hey. My mom told me not to talk to you, and he's like, "Oh, I'll take care of that." That's not great. That's not what you want. But like, no. he leaves. So that's something for Caitlin. I, so. I guess this is a,
1: a weird kid who just squeezed your hand so hard that it looked like a special effects hand made of rubber, <laughs> with cracking noises thrown in. Imposed.
0: I mean, you know that. And he's bad.
1: saying that he's going to go take care of your mom.
0: Yeah, hey, oh, it's not no. great. Don't worry, I'll take care of that. Also, I get the impression that she is on the second floor of this house. Like, her window is is the second story, and he just keeps popping up. And nobody's like, hey, how you doing that? You ever seen Clarissa Explains It All? You think he's got a ladder outside, a la Sam? He might. Fergus is not home. No
1: one's going to rat.
0: I feel like step one, if a boy that climbs in my window breaks my hand, I get rid of the ladder. Yeah, pretty instantly, actually.
1: (laughs) what if he's like wearing a Ramon shirt? Because that's a Sam move.
0: Oh, yeah. That's how you know he's a cool mom.
1: (laughs) I like how Brandon is suddenly transformed into a cool mob.
0: Yeah, well, he came from one. Well, not really. He was adopted really. by one. We well, have no idea where he came from. He was scooped up in the woods by one.
1: Right. All we know about his background is that he chanted something. That's right. With a with a spaceship, and then said, "I'm going to take over the world."
0: Right. He slowly translated one the chanting person at a time. For some reason, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like a weird Matrix. I'm plugged in. I know kung fu. He's like, no, I know alien now.
0: Now we're great. I speak this weird chanting language that I speak in my sleep now. <laughs> Got it. It's saying "take the world." Yep, it's an interesting phrasing. If you're gonna use three words, you could probably go with "rule," "take over." I don't know. There's there's other options. Take the world where out, out to dinner, to the movies. What am I supposed to do with with the world? I am I supposed to get a good look at its guts? I don't know. <laughs> So Brandon goes to the diner and draws his little logo thing on all the windows. It's real creepy. And then he somehow explodes some neon lights and a shard of glass goes right into Caitlin's mom's eyeball. And lucky us, we get to watch her pull it out.
1: Yeah, we do. And it's just because this movie's not interesting enough that they have to have just random shots of gore to keep anyone in it.
0: You want to see this (laughs) tiny shard sticking out of her eye that moves when she looks around get real big when she pulls it out?
1: It does get really, really big, and I can't tell if I like the camera trick that they do after this or if I think it's lazy because what they do after that is her eye is just ruined now. It's very bloody. yeah, so she has the the left side of the screen is now red, and the right side is relatively normal,
0: although quite out of focus,
1: quite out of focus. But now Brandon is in the diner, and she can't really see him clearly yeah. because of this because of this obstruction, not to mention the lights are flickering like crazy because. Brandon loves doing that. He loves making lights flicker.
0: He is a big fan of the flickering lights.
1: He really, really is. And so is famous director David Yarabeski. <laughs> we'll get there. If you drink every time there's flickering light, you will
0: die. Oh, absolutely. Mid-movie, you'll die. And this movie oh, only absolutely. 90 minutes. You're
1: completely dead mid-movie.
0: So Brandon chases her around the diner, wearing a red mask and a cape. And he heat-visions himself into the walk-in when she tries to lock herself in there. And then he presumably murders her. Presumably, but it happens so quickly that we don't even get a really good look at anything. We have no idea. But we do have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Oh, I'm glad we found that in the walk-in with maybe the corpse. In many scenes, Brendan wears combinations of blue, red, and yellow, the main colors in Superman's traditional outfit. This tactic was also used on the character Clark Kent in the TV series Smallville. Okay. I'm
1: glad that someone was able to draw the connection. This is playing homage to Superman. You know what other show did that, Smallville? If there were connect the dots in the Olympics,
0: gold medalist, (laughs) right here. Uh, This guy really knows how to put two and two together.
1: (laughs) He's a human genius. I want to type it into the IMDB.
0: (laughs) Everybody needs to know. They're
1: going to think this is so helpful. I did find it helpful. Thank you. All
0: right, good. (laughs) The next morning, Brendan tells his parents, he's like, hey, I'm not even mad at you guys. It's all good. I'm an alien. Cool. And they're like, (laughs) really? He's going to drop it that easy? Neat. I
1: like how they're acting afraid of this kid at this point, though, because clearly they know something's wrong. Oh, yeah. In the back of their mind, like, this is an alien, but he's also our sweet baby boy. But I love the hesitation that they have every yes. time they talk to him and approach him now. Serious
0: nice. uh, Twilight Zone vibes from that one episode where the kid can just make people disappear. Yeah, big time. big fan. Meanwhile, the Brightburn police investigate the diner. Also, Brightburn is the name of the town.
1: Yeah, that's explained now, finally.
0: And the sheriff he finds that logo drawn on a window, uh, but Caitlin's mom nowhere to be found.
1: Well, I like how he goes over to the window. He's like, what's that? It just looks like a window, and then he just goes. <sighs> Just in this one spot, and he's like, well, that's suspicious. I'm glad I came to this one specific spot on the window.
0: Well, it's funny because he could have done it anywhere because they're all over. He only finds one <laughs> you know? of the hundred <laughs> logos that are on the window. Dave, I have another actual idea. Wow, okay. Yeah, for a movie that only had 21, I was like, I'm going to use as many as I can. Okay. Brightburn is mentioned as being in Kansas, which is where Kal-El landed <laughs> and later grew up to become Superman.
1: Yeah, how about that again?
0: These IMDb folks, nothing gets past them. Nothing at all. Nothing. That's the last of the IMDb trivia facts. Look at me and say that again. That's the last of the IMDb trivia facts for this movie.
1: I don't know if I believe you, but...
0: That's four.
1: There were only 21. Yeah, I know. But that's like enough that you could just throw them out like crazy. All (laughs) willy-nilly.
0: I could actually go through and read all of them for once.
1: (laughs) No, thank you.
0: Back at school, Brendan has to meet with his aunt, Marilee, who was also his guidance counselor, like we said, at the, the dinner at the diner before he was murdering people. And uh, he does not express remorse for what he did to Caitlin. And his aunt's like, hey, kid, look, you got to say you feel bad about this because I got to tell the police about what we talk about here for reasons. He just sits there. Yeah. He's like, I don't feel sorry at all. I'm just going to go back to class. I think is that because to learn about works? bees? <laughs> he already knows everything about bees. But nothing about birds and bees. So.
1: You just made me think like, this movie is an obvious metaphor for puberty. Yes. Like it's not hiding it at all. And maybe like the bird of it comes from the Superman. Like it's a bird, it's a plane. Like oh. and then he knows the bee part also. So it's just like, ah,
0: sex. So you think he wants to fuck Superman? I'm confused.
1: No, I just think that this movie is so obvious all around that um <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find any meaning somewhere else.
0: Oh, okay. I appreciate that. Keep digging.
1: I will. Thank you. We'll get
0: to the bottom of it. <laughs> so, we just hung out with the aunt in daytime. Let's do it at nighttime now.
1: <laughs> right. We got to see her in a different light, literally. <laughs> so, this aunt is sitting there on the couch. She's got like these weird fuzzy socks on, like these balls dangling around. And she puts one single shirt that she's from laundry into a drawer. Yep. Like, walked across the house, turned on the light, <laughs> put one shirt away, came back on the couch, started folding <laughs> up more shirts. Like, that was is... there a reason for that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the least practical way to do laundry ever.
1: And then outside, her entire yard is like 28 days later. Like a <laughs> giant spotlight lights it up. And it just says, motion alert, backyard. It's like, that is aggressive. Are <laughs> you living be... in the woods, any animal imaginable. Like a rabbit goes through there. It's like, Jesus
0: Christ. Everybody wake up. There's a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the most obnoxious alarm system ever.
1: But that's what it is. And I like how she goes and, like, looks and there's nothing there. And then Brandon, of course, is at the door. Like, right. No,
0: now we know who it was. Knock, knock, knock. All right. So she opens the door and he's like, hey, remember that thing you said earlier about the having to tell the police that I'm not sorry? Hey, you shouldn't do that. And he threatens her. Yep. And she's like, tough titties, kid. That's my job. And also, she, yep. She sends him home. And I'm like, that's a good aunt right there. But
1: then I like how the motion alert thing goes off again. And she's like, who could that be? Unbelievable. And then she starts texting Noah. She says, hey, turning off the alarm thing. Because of smart move. All the squirrel nephews out there threatening me.
0: (laughs) You know, sometimes I get threatened and then turn off my alarm.
1: Smart move, huh? (laughs) Uh.
0: So Brandon, of course, starts stalking her through the house until she goes to bed. But luckily, Noah gets home from the bar. Because he was at the bar with Kyle and Steve fucking E.G. Yeah,
1: I always love seeing, seeing Steve A. G. But also, Kyle, for the first time, says, like,
0: I think my son's a fucking weirdo. I like that Steve A. G is the one who's like, hey, you think your son killed that woman? Hold on. Hold on. Excuse
1: me. Time out from the movie. This is Olympic champion connect the daughter here. Uh, <laughs> that guy's kid. He's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, that kid's a fucking weirdo. Maybe he did it. I don't know. Steve A. G is just like, I mean, he crushed her
0: daughter's hand yesterday. <laughs> and then she goes missing. How about that? And Roy's like, hey, shut the fuck up. That's my kid. But on his head, he's like, yeah, no, he definitely did it. Yep. <laughs> without a doubt. But anyway, Noah drives home, even though he's had a couple. And he gets home and he finds Brandon hiding in his closet. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing, you weird little shit? I'm bringing you home right now and I'm telling your parents. And he's like, you're going to tell my parents? Why is this kid afraid of his parents? I don't know. I don't get it, but he's got to kill Noah about it. He does
1: have to kill Noah about it in a very long, drawn-out, and dramatic scene that's probably my favorite one of the movie. It's so good, <laughs> so I understand why. <laughs> it's really, really, really well done. Noah's driving this busted-ass like Ford Bronco down the road because he tried to put Brandon into the car, and Brandon said, No, 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 Uncle N-uh. Noah. And then slams him into the <laughs> garage, garage door. Oh. And then he disappears. So Noah's natural reaction, instead of going inside to hide, is, I need to drive away from here. I need to leave. And he leaves. And the truck just dies on the road. And you get all this built-out drama of him trying to start the car. And the headlights turning on. You see Brandon in the distance in the headlights. And then yeah. the headlights go off again. Then they go on again. He's still he's there. closer. And he's closer and he's like, oh,
0: shit. And they go off again, and they go on again, he's gone.
1: And he's gone. And it's really well set up that way. But then the car lifts up off the ground and then he drops the car, and Noah's not doing great.
0: Yeah, Noah hits his face on the steering wheel pretty hard, breaks his jaw, and then proceeds to either bleed out or drown in his own blood. It's not completely obvious, but he's dead. He
1: is dead and dying because his jaw is just flapping around oh, like he's, a Canadian. He's
0: got the, the whole Ebert going.
1: And. Then <laughs> I love how he has to cover his mouth in order to do the scene because of budgetary reasons, probably. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. he had to do the
0: the Captain America reshoots from the Avengers for the shawarma scene, cover up his exactly. beard exactly.
1: So then Brandon comes over, takes like his blood off his weird jaw missing area there, and draws the bee thing in the ground again because you know subtlety.
0: So, hey, sometimes you got to leave clues to. When you're murdering people all over town. This kid both wants to
1: get caught and doesn't want to
0: get caught. And it's complicated. Super complicated. Brendan returns home shirtless, and he's like, Oh, Mom, Dad, I was playing soccer with some kids <laughs> at school late, and they were mean and, and ripped my shirt. But don't touch it. Okay, I'm going to bed.
1: <laughs> I I
0: got nothing, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got absolutely nothing. Because yeah. the dad's looking, I'm just like, all right, he did it. Yeah, he totally did it. Yeah, and the mom all is right. still
0: like, there's no way. Oh, my way. sweet baby
1: boys, getting bullied by all the people in the soccer game. Oh,
0: ah!
1: Have they never watched Ted Lasso? It's not supposed to be a physical game at all.
0: <laughs> it's supposed to be about caring and, and loving and friendship. And believing. And not a, tearing especially shirts. Especially believing. Roy, not Roy Kent, Roy from The Office. <laughs> That night, he has a, a nightmare. <laughs> what a segue! Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> he has a nightmare slash flashback to finding Brandon in the woods, where he gets out of bed, and he's in the woods, and he goes over, and there's, there's Tori holding the baby, and she's like, it's a boy, and there's just lots of blood, and, you know, he's like, ah, is this really happening, or is it a dream, or a flashback? And you're like, blood, it's a nightmare, bud. And he wakes yep. up, because the phone rings, because... Tori's sister's like, hey, Noah's dead. Come meet me at the hospital. And then they do. They go to the hospital. And because Marilee is like having a moment, she's like, oh, blah, blah. And Brandon was there. And they're like, wait, Brandon was at soccer. Wait a second. Noah was playing soccer with Brandon. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Brandon was at Marilee's house just before uh, Noah presumably crashed his car because he was drunk and died. But I like
1: how Roy also puts it together, how Noah came home because he gave Merrily a kiss on the head, and then he left. And Merrily remembers that part of it. Like, yeah, then he left. Yeah. And is just like, oh?
0: He killed Noah. So the next morning, Tori and Kyle, they're telling Brandon about Uncle Noah's death because they're like, hey, he shouldn't know about this yet. And Brandon has literally no reaction. He's just like, nothing. Oh, neat. He just keeps eating his Cheerios. It would have been cool if it was Cheerios, like proper. It would have been cool if it was Cheerios. But no, he has no reaction. He's like, oh, I loved Uncle Noah. Okay, bye. Uh, oh, oh, whoops. Roy loses his shit and accuses Brandon and grabs him. And Brandon's like, hey, don't grab me and throws him across the room. And Roy's like, oh, that kid definitely killed Noah. <laughs> so while Brandon's in the shower, Roy goes and finds the bloodstained shirt and he brings it to Tori. He's like, see, look, that's that's Noah's blood on his shirt. And she's like, Mm-mm, can't be. He was playing soccer. That's just a weird Italian kid's blood because of soccer. Because <laughs> soccer. While all this is going on, the sheriff, he's looking through some evidence, and he notices the blood-drawn logo at the crime scene photo from the from Noah's death, and he's like, hey, wait, that looks familiar. And he pulls out a photo from the diner, he's like, mm-hmm, same logo. And, oh, we're going to come back to that real soon.
1: We are, and I just feel so bad for the guy who is the gold medalist
0: and Connect the Dots at the Olympics. (laughs) Because this
1: sheriff's coming for him.
0: He is looking for the record. Oh, man. Roy decides he's going to plan a hunting trip with Brandon to apologize and reconnect with him. And Tori's like, that sounds like a good idea.
1: I don't even think it's because of that. I think it's just to get Tori's trust back. Because it's like, I have to imagine it's a pretty big hole to dig yourself out of when you say, our son killed multiple people and then threw me into... The wall, and you saw it,
0: and you don't trust me for some reason. You still think I'm the weird one. Ah. So yeah,
1: I'm going to take our sweet baby boy camping. Surely nothing's going to happen there.
0: I got to go reconnect with them. Roy's got ulterior motives, and we're going to get there too. We sure will. While Brandon is examining deer tracks, Roy shoots him in the back of the head.
1: Now, this is wild because he is aiming the gun at the back of Brandon's head, and you're just like, all right. We've seen glass in the eye. We've seen jaws floating about. It's like, he's totally going to shoot him. He's definitely going to do it. There's no reason why he wouldn't at this point. But what I want to know, in Roy's mind, what does he have to gain by doing this? Because he's either going to learn the truth that his son is a violent, violent killer, and he's probably going to die there, or he's going to go to prison for being a child killer.
0: But he's going to save the world from this rampaging 12-year-old lunatic.
1: Nobody knows that Brandon wants to take over the world. Because he's seemingly just doing it one small town person at a time right now.
0: That's true, but Roy
1: does want to put a stop to all the murder. But it's only really, really confined murder. If you're in this movie and you've got screen time, you should worry. (laughs) Anyone (laughs) outside of it, though,
0: you're safe. Well, guess what? Roy is one of those assholes. Yeah, that's bad news. The bullet bounces right off the back of Brandon's head. So, naturally, Brandon burns a hole through his face with his heat vision. Yeah, he does.
1: That happens. That is.
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes your relationship with your father gets to that point where he, that's all that's left. You just got to burn a hole through his face with your heat vision.
1: We've all gotten there. The difference is we're not aliens. That's right. <laughs> so evolution has taken that ability away from us because it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, here in the year 50,000 BC, we have way too many 12 year old cavemen burning holes. <laughs> In their 21 year old dad's faces. We can't have this. They're end of life already. Just let them go.
0: (laughs) I mean, they've lived a long life at 21. Just let them finish out their days. We need to get rid of that heat vision. This was a bad idea. All right, let's evolve them out of it. (laughs) Remember how the sheriff was comparing logos? I sure do. Yeah, well, fuck Batman. This sheriff is the world's greatest detective.
1: He really, really is. And his tact is perfect, too. Oh,
0: he shows up at the Briar's house, and he's like, hey, Brandon here? And Tori's like, no, he's out camping with his dad. And he's like, oh, have you seen this Blair Witch-looking stick figure logo? Kind of looks like it spells BB. And this is a very small town. I only know one of those.
1: I like her reaction. She's like like, uh, no, no, I've never seen that before <laughs> in I'm, my
0: life. I've literally never seen that, and I think you should leave. <laughs> it's not suspicious at all. It's not. Tori thinks she's going to pull one over on the sheriff. And this guy, he knows what people's logos look like, even though he's never seen them. Right. So he's going to go get a warrant because he's no dummy. Of course. But she's totally seen Brandon drawing the symbol before. So she's going to go upstairs and go hunting for his notebook. And when she finds it, it's full of drawings of all the murders he's done. It's just amazing, though, because,
1: like, what was she expecting to find this entire time? I don't know, more pictures of guts. She's seen the logo before in that notebook, and Brandon, like, quickly closed the book earlier in the movie. She goes upstairs looking specifically for this just to reconfirm that your kid's a killer, even though deep down I think you knew the whole
0: time. Yeah, but this is the proof in the pudding because there's pictures of him killing Noah with the truck and him doing something at the diner, maybe. Who knows what happened there? So Tori's finally like, oh, shit. And she tries to call Roy, but Brandon answers the phone, and he's like, hey, Roy's gone.
1: Okay, where'd Daddy go? Is he off playing soccer?
0: <laughs> nah, he dead. Oh, where are you, sweetie? I'm home.
1: I like how we see him outside floating, looking down at this farmhouse, and he crunches the phone in his hand, and then naturally, on the other side of the line that Elizabeth Banks is holding, you hear the crunching of the phone as well. <laughs> and then because the dial that's how tone. it works.
0: As we all know. Everybody knows. You gotta hear the phone crunch followed by the, the dial tone.
1: It's kind of like the modern hang up. Like you slam the phone down, and that's like a comedian joke. Like, oh, you can't just like slam the phone down anymore because now it's just boop, you push the button (laughs) boop, angrily slide the hang up. But now you can just crush that bitch in your hand. You're gonna hear on the other end be like,
0: oh, they're mad. Oh man, I should call them back. Oh no, oh no, I can't. I like that he had the the forethought to be like, all right, just killed my dad. Better bring his cell phone home with me so when mom calls him, I can answer menacingly.
1: Right, I'm going to wait here, floating above the house, until she calls, and then I'll begin the final Because she's
0: going to put this together real soon. I can feel it in my my alien bones.
1: That's right.
0: So he just starts, you know, flying through the house and and destroying it, while his mom calls the police. And of course, the sheriff's like, oh shit, I knew this was going to happen, and turns around and starts heading back to the house. I
1: like when he arrives at the house, you see, like, the house is partially destroyed. Yeah. And him and the sheriff's assistant the Some deputy called a deputy. <laughs> they show up there and they walk into the house, just like, "Well, what are we going to find here?" I don't know. There's clearly a murderer, though, that we're going after. Something bad that.
0: is happening here, but I don't know that we can do anything about it because it's of the house destroying variety, and we're just two human beings,
1: right? So they go into the house, asking for Tori to come out of the house, and then out of nowhere, Brandon, just full form Bobby Boucher, tackles <laughs> the sheriff, and he explodes into tiny
0: bits. Just. Goes full A-train on him from the first scene of the boys.
1: That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and I like how this deputy is just like, well shit. Uh I need backup now.
0: Yeah, I I love she All immediately of a sudden. starts calling for backup, <laughs> like, hey, we we got a murderer here and we need backup. And surely people will be like, oh, something bad has happened at the Briar House, and the news tomorrow will reflect that.
1: But now she's walking through this house. Trying to find Tori, maybe? Brandon, maybe? I I think, I think it's
0: Tori. I think she's trying to find Tori to save her, yeah. But then she also gets got.
1: She gets got bad too, because Tori's like hiding under a bed. Yeah. And we see just commotion happening far off <laughs> in the house. And flickering lights, of course. Oh well, naturally. So true. we don't
0: actually get to see it. You have to have flickering lights.
1: She gets completely destroyed. And, like, she lands on the ground and just is coughing out blood. And that's just, just the end of that deputy now. And now Tori's just in the house alone with this crazy kid. Right. But I like how she's also hiding under this bed. Brandon, like, floats his way into the bedroom. Yeah. Floats his way by and goes out the next door while he's looking for her. And then she just gets out from under the bed. Like, the place, the hiding place that worked perfectly. She's like, yeah, I'm done with it now. On to the next one.
0: <laughs> All right, this one worked. Find a new one. Got to find a new hideout. <laughs> so stupid That's very dumb <laughs> she also remembers around this time that she can injure brandon with the ship because it, it hurt him before in that one scene after they were like he can't bleed oh look he's bleeding she remembers that so she sure like, does gotta get to the barn so she gets to the barn she gets to the hatch with the spaceship and there she finds caitlin's mom's naked body nailed to the wall dissected and surrounded by more blood logos yep isn't that fun
1: so I think at this point now, Tori's like, I think he did it. Not sure. Not positive. I think he did it,
0: though. It's starting to seem like this kid might have done it. So she tears a piece off the ship that's all rusted in one spot and conveniently in shard, <laughs> knife-like, shank-shaped pieces.
1: I think uh, the piece of the ship that she ripped off is called the Ahuga.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So She puts that behind her back. She goes out into the barn, and she, start, she gets her line back. Brandon?
1: I'm so glad it's back. I've missed it this whole time.
0: This is what you call a callback. Brandon <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> The movie's trying to do comedy now. And when Brandon shows up, she's like, I've always loved you. I've always been on your side, and you'll always be my baby boy. And she hugs him. And then she tries to stab him with the sneaky shank she's got behind her back. But Brandon's like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. I know all about those shenanigans. And he anticipates the attack, and he catches her hand. He's like, oh, we're going up in the sky now, bitch. Yep. And naturally, he flies her up through the roof of the barn, above the clouds, and you know they kind of look at each other up in the sky for a minute, and she's all cut up from the, the roof of the barn. And then he drops her.
1: Yeah, that's the end of Elizabeth Banks. That is that's it. it. That's it. And I'm sitting here going like, okay, he's eliminated
0: everybody in this movie at this point. Now what do we do? Well, let's see if I have an answer. An airplane starts flying toward him, and then it goes dark. That's because there's, like, no light to flicker
1: up there. I right. had to cut away from it entirely. Because, like, we can't manufacture any horror up here. Because we can't just flicker the moon. I was just going to say, we can't flicker the moon. <laughs> Unless you got Kristoff up there.
0: Oh. That's and the twist. Truman
1: Show-like base.
0: Brightburn, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It's actually the Truman Show.
1: <laughs> that would have been amazing. Everybody. Flicker the moon.
0: <laughs> this kid really thinks he has powers right now. This is amazing. We got him.
1: Unbelievable. <laughs> has no idea. He's got a harness on. He thinks he's flying. What an idiot! Yeah, he killed his mom. I get that. He's supposed to hold her in this scene, but that's just trauma for later in life. This is great.
0: <laughs> We're really developing this character for future installments.
1: Oh gosh, that would actually be an unbelievable twist. <laughs> That would be some, like, Cabin in the Woods shit, though. I, I oh, like yeah. that.
0: yeah. Like, everybody comes out at the end, like, even his mom. He's like, I can't believe you did that, Brandon. I've been acting as your mom for 12 years. You're a jerk.
1: Taking a bow while she says it all.
0: Right. Because <laughs> she's done. <laughs> so we cut to news coverage about a freak airplane accident that leveled the Briars property and left no survivors, except for little Brandon.
1: I like how they openly say, like, oh, yeah, the, the parents are dead. And only this child the, survived.
0: Their 12-year-old son, yeah.
1: And Brandon's just sitting there eating a cookie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what I find fascinating is, like, before this plane crashed, there were police officers at the house who were calling for backup for a Code 217, which is a assault with intent to murder. And nobody is like, hey, it's weird that that plane just hit that house while well, there was that happening and the sheriff and the deputy were there.
1: Well, you have everybody investigating this plane crash also, and it's like, go to the barn. <laughs> That lady who's uh, dissected wasn't involved in the plane crash? Right. Clearly there's some tomfuckery going on here.
0: <laughs> tom fuckery is my favorite word. And that's almost the whole movie. Almost. Because during the credits, the news reports worldwide attacks by this Brightburn character and a conspiracy theorist named Big T, played by Michael fucking Rooker. It blew my mind. He shows up, he starts ranting about the existence of other super beings like a half-man, half-sea creature capsizing fishing boats and some kind of witch woman choking people with ropes and cords. And of course, the Crimson Bolt. Of course, the Crimson Bolt from
1: Super. I like how he's doing like this Alex Jones type ripoff. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And I'm glad we went out on that note because that is Brightburn from 2019 directed by famous director. David Yaroveski.
0: Right. Produced by James Gunn, written by his brother Brian and his cousin Mark.
1: So that's the only reason this movie got made, in my mind. Yep. Uh, I know that a lot of people like this movie. I know that too. I don't want
0: to yuck your yum. Agreed. This movie's silly. (laughs) It is the word I want to use, and I don't want anybody to be offended when I use it. It's a shallow movie.
1: I think that's a, a very safe word to use, and it's a tricky movie to talk about. Again, yucking the yum. Don't want to do it. Right. But- You like what you like. This is a very formulaic horror movie that doesn't quite know what it wants to be. I agree with that. The difference between this movie and a lot of other horror type movies, or what this movie could have been, is there's no character development at all. Because there's just like a switch that goes off in Brandon when he like turns 12 or when he gets corrupted by the ship all of a sudden, that now he's going to be evil. Right. Or sinister. Right. Or whatever you want to call it. And then he just is. Like, there's no him fighting back on it or anything like that. You have the parents who know that he's an alien, and he's probably capable of all this stuff as it goes through. Because I'm not convinced that the mom's that dumb to finally get it at the end. It's She's hard to defending say. defending her son, and I understand that's her character development, but it's not.
0: But it's not, yeah.
1: Nothing happens in this movie when you think
0: about it. A lot of these characters are very one-dimensional. And when I say a lot, I mean, all of these characters are very one-dimensional.
1: They really, really are, and I think that one of the more fascinating things about this movie, where it actually, like, fits and falls into place, is that there's just no story at all. This movie is just strictly plot. Yeah. And I'm sure people are sitting there saying, like, those are the same thing. That's
0: the same thing. And I will
1: respectively tell you, they're not.
0: <laughs> it's taken a long time for me to be able to figure out the difference, um, and admittedly, I still get the two confused, so...
1: I texted Brian right after I watched the movie and said, I really want to talk about plot versus story for this movie because there's no story involved at all. It is strictly Pure just plot. Pure plot. The best way to break down the difference is if you look at a map, like you're driving down Route 66 or whatever it might be, you look at a map, you see your little town markers as it goes through. That's your plot. Right. You look up and you actually see what's going on around you, the scenery. That's all there. It's all fleshed out. You're not just looking at things on a map that are different colors, yada, yada. That's the story that you're seeing out the windshield. So the story of it is the who, what, and where. The plot is the how, when, and why. So me saying that, this movie is just, you take a character, you name them, and you pretty much say, this is going to be a Superman what if, almost, of what if Superman were evil. You take the same exact scenario of his origin, he lands on Earth, we don't know anything about his past, where he came from, his planet, was right. it destroyed what planet was it no idea we have no, no clue. clue he's here we go from there and he just becomes evil at that point
0: that's it that's the extent of it how does he become evil
1: we don't really know is it his birthday is it the ship don't know when does he become evil now just 12th. now at 12 that's it <laughs> why does he become evil i don't know we have no clue
0: no reason given
1: but usually you get all this stuff in the arc of a character itself because that's what you should be caring about in these movies is the character. If you can't the relate character. to the character, then it becomes really difficult to relate to a story. Right. I know the one of the more famous ones that's used to describe plot versus story is Titanic. Okay. Because the plot of Titanic is poor kid, rich girl, they get together. It just happens to be on a sinking ship, so you kind of have built-in stakes. But that story could take place literally anywhere. That's true. From that plot. It doesn't matter what it is.
0: Yeah. Um. I actually... I saw an interview with Seth Rogen talking about story versus plot and how when they made Superbad they accidentally had both because what they were writing was this story about these kids who wanted to get laid. Like that is that is the the plot, but the story is about these kids who are gonna, not going to not go to the same college and they're going to miss each other and it's their friendship and that is the lens which we go through this journey of them trying to get laid.
1: That's exactly it. That's the perfect way to put it. There's no substance to Brightburn. Is that a bad thing? Not if you're into a slasher horror type superhero flick with an interesting premise.
0: Then, no, that's not a bad thing at all. No, absolutely not. In fact, it's entertaining as hell. It is.
1: I found it a little slow and uninteresting, but that is just because I don't know what I was expecting. Okay, yeah. Like, in my own head, a bunch of people told me, like, oh, man, this is a really great movie. It's a really cool take on the Superman lore. And then as it was progressing, I'm finding myself not being able to relate to any of these characters. I'm not seeing anyone grow in yeah. any direction or anything like that. And in my head, it was like picking out, you could tell exactly when the acts were starting and ending in this thing because it was just done half hour at a time. It's,
0: yeah. I, it, was could it was
1: very formulaic. You could definitely pick
0: done. out the end of acts and beginning of the next. Yeah. Easy.
1: So it just felt funny watching it. That's not to say I didn't like it. I liked it. I just really, really didn't love it at all. And I, personally did think yeah
0: i didn't need it i thought it was a
1: missed opportunity
0: <laughs> i i think missed opportunity is right i think it sets up more i think they were expecting it to do better than it did i mean it did pretty all right it made 32 million dollars on a six million dollar budget
1: that's like, pretty that's, all right
0: that's pretty good and they, actually david yaravesky has said that if they do a sequel they want to do it the same way that they did this and just drop it without really teasing it and just Letting it exist. Kind of like the way the Cloverfield movies do it. You just don't know when there's another Cloverfield coming out. They just drop it on you.
1: Which is kind of neat. But Cloverfield also had the benefit of having that masterful trailer before the first one. Yes. Where you just had no idea what that movie was going to be. I
0: think if you knew less going into this, it would be a better ride. If you didn't know going in that it was going to be evil Superman and you learned as the characters in the movie did, it would be better i think maybe the trailers ruined this movie
1: i think you might be right about that i only remember one trailer and i remember going oh that looks all right yeah that's a cool premise
0: it's a brilliant premise and i'm surprised this is the only time it's been done
1: i am a little bit to tell you the truth and i mean i'm sure that someone is just writing away now of all these different little what if premises for these characters of just taking like what we're used to yeah and just trying to turn it on its head a little bit I hope they flesh out a character next time.
0: It would be real special.
1: But that's for next time. We're still talking about Brightburn here. That's right. Rotten Tomatoes, 1-100. Where do you think it's going to land? 50. 57. Okay. So not bad. 67% audience score. That surprised me a little bit. I thought that was a little low.
0: Yeah, I could see it being higher than that.
1: But that also is based on the people who have told me to watch this thing. That's probably why I think it's a little low. So maybe I put this thing on a pedestal. Maybe that's my problem, actually. That may be. Roger Ebert didn't see this movie because he was busy suing Matt Jones over the jaw thing in it. He was very upset that they took his gimmick. (laughs) So he didn't watch it at a protest. It's fair. But some critics who did see this, you have James Brardinelli from Real Views. He said, Brightburn can at least boast an interesting premise. Not that it does anything with it. (laughs) Oh. Robert Abelli from The Wrap says, what if Superman started out evil? And what if that was the only idea you had for your movie?
0: Oh, these are not good reviews.
1: Yeah, it was pretty difficult to find fresh ones (laughs) on Rotten Tomatoes. Even like the the fresh ones were still hitting at the movie. The last one I have is Richard Roper from the Chicago Sun-Times. He said, The premise is intriguing, but this gruesome origin story plays like just another slasher film with idiots for victims.
0: That's, again, speaking to these one-dimensional characters. It's a problem. We're going to get there
1: when we get to the Superstuff score. I hate being negative on movies. I hate it. Same. But critically, they're all saying missed opportunity. Yeah. letterboxed.
0: What are they saying over there?
1: It's not much better. Oh, no. Which <laughs> surprised me. The first one I have is from June 30th, 2019. Congratulations. It's
0: very edgy. <laughs> oh, oh. So snarky. Is this just Edgelord Superman? Is that what we're watching? From March 10th, 2020.
1: Similar concept to Chronicle and Unbreakable. The film felt a bit brief to me, almost as if the third act was truncated. Nice set pieces, and the violence
0: is quite explicit. That's true. It is very explicit violence. Excellent set pieces here and there in between long. Brandon? Brandon? Oh, it's so long. I agree with that review. From July 28th. Basically the omen on meth. (laughs) It is the omen meets Superman, isn't it?
1: It really, really is. From May 22nd, 2019, probably the worst coheating Cambria record.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I like that one. That one made me laugh
1: hard. (laughs) From June 25th, 2019, Elizabeth Banks copes with the fact that her alien son is a cold blooded killer by painting a large portrait of a cow.
0: That's she does. She's doing lots of painting. At one point, there's just a smiley face on the wall that she painted. Like, That's the extent of her artistic ability. Smiley face, but it's purple. I feel like she's going to clean up with NFTs. Oh, yeah. For some reason. (laughs) If she survives that fall from space. (laughs) Right. You said you wanted to pay me how much for this smiley face?
1: (laughs) What? The last one I have is from September 19th, 2019. Welcome to Cal Hell.
0: Oh, see, now that's clever. It's a, play, yeah, it's on a words. play
1: on words. See that,
0: Cal Hell. That's uh-huh. you know. If they ever make a sequel, they're for sure. That's gonna be his his birth father's name.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And it's gonna have glowing green bagels. I hope. Jor Hell. <laughs> Let's give this like a super stuff score, please.
0: Let's do that. But first,
1: and now for another edition of
0: the Cape Podcasters, the
1: it's been so long! It's been a
0: very long time, and I thought it was great that you brought it up earlier, just in passing. I'm glad I'm warmed up from all my Brandons. Yeah. Keaton Patty, comedy writer. Follow him on Twitter. He's the best, at Keaton Patty. He wrote a book called I Forced a Bot to Write This Book, AI Meets BS. He's got a bot script for us this week. And it's something that Brandon Breyer desperately needed. Because Keaton Patty forced a bot to watch a thousand hours of... Dr. Phil episodes. <laughs> okay. And then asked it to write a Dr. Phil episode of its own. Dave, you'll be doing the part of Dr. Phil. Oh, my lucky day. And I will be doing the narration, the part of Mom and Bad Girl. Interior, Dr. Philadelphia set. <laughs> we see Dr. Phil. He is too Southern and too Phil.
1: Today we have a young girl that is so bad. Her dad
0: is dead. Her mom sent us this mom video. A mom video plays. We see the child's owner, the mom. My daughter vapes beer and has sex with rap music. She's in love with a gun. Help me, Dr. Film. <laughs> the mom video ends. Dr. Phil mustaches for nine seconds. I am the lover of moms.
1: Dr. Filth will help.
0: Bring her to me. The video mom walks on stage. The crowd breathes. The mom sits in a chair. Dr. Phil sits on the mom. Mom, where is your mustache? The crowd cheers. They all have several mustaches. (laughs) My daughter steals dolphins. Not allowed. Bring her out. The bad girl comes on stage. She isn't reading the Bible at all. She's mean to the chair and won't sit on it. The crowd cheers at this. They hate chairs. Apologize to the mom. My only homework is drugs. The crowd (laughs) boos and yells. They love genuine homework. Empty your girl pockets,
1: bad one.
0: The bad girl empties her pockets. They are full of Isis.
1: <laughs> you got to take the Isis out of your pockets you can't before just... going on the Dr. Film show.
0: Everybody knows if you're going to go see Dr. Phil, you got to remove all the Isis from your pockets.
1: Unbelievable.
0: I think Brandon Breyer could have used a visit to the set of Dr. Phil.
1: I would have paid to be in the studio audience for that episode. I probably would have died, but, you know. Fingers crossed for the sequel. You got to go sometime, right? <laughs>
0: Let's give this thing a Superstuff score. Story and motivation.
1: There is no story.
0: This, this, yeah.
1: Flat out, there is no story.
0: And the motivation of who? I don't even know who we're supposed to be rooting for here.
1: I have no clue. I'm going to go with a zero.
0: I think it's a zero. Hero. There isn't one. Right? I mean, I feel like, who are we supposed to be rooting for? David Denman? He doesn't even make it to the very end.
1: Yeah, and Elizabeth Banks is hard to root for because she's defending her murderer child the entire time. Right
0: up until she's And not. it doesn't even seem yeah.
1: like a struggle. It seems like she's earnestly defending him. Yeah. Like, if it was a, a character struggle underneath it, that would have been entirely different. I did not see that.
0: Me either. There's maybe one scene where she's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do, so I'm just going to keep defending him forever.
1: Well, even the time that she becomes honest with him, it's because she wants to shiv him. Right. I'm going to go zero here for here.
0: I agree. Villains. I don't want to go zero. I agree. Because he's very, very mean. He's super mean. And what do we usually say? <laughs> he saves the day? He, he, he doesn't. He does the opposite of that. He does the
1: complete opposite. He villains harder than most villains do because his story is just an ellipsis of death at this exactly.
0: point. Exactly. He starts off small town, but he goes, he goes mainstream. I
1: don't know why he turned evil. We don't know that. And that's why I'm going to go 0.75. I think that's
0: fair. 0.75. Parents. Oh, they're very dead. They're super dead, and we. I saw don't know. It I don't happen. even want to
1: think about whose parents are supposed to be dead in nope, what situation. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's a one. It's a one.
0: Female characters. They're not great. They're not as bad as I expected them to be going in, but you're right. They're not great.
1: <laughs> I think Elizabeth Banks is interesting. Yes. I wish she had more to work with because it would have been a really good character choice if she really dove a little bit deeper into like the guilt of. I have a really good feeling Brandon's doing this. I
0: agree with that. But she
1: seems like she really doesn't believe it. Yeah. And I think that
0: was the wrong choice. Just completely in denial. And that, yeah, that's...
1: I think the aunt is there.
0: Yeah, she exists. She, she serves her purpose. She does straight up kick him out of the house and tell him to walk home, which I love.
1: She does. You have the girl who got her hand crushed.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: She's just there. And then you have the mom who's now dissected.
0: Just totally <laughs> Um, However, movie does absolutely pass the Bechtel test.
1: It 100% does. I'm going to go 0. 0.25.
0: I think I want to bump that up to a 0. 0.5. I'm fine with that. I was struggling whether to go there or not. I'm fine with that. Because we've seen so much worse. And not that that should be the benchmark,
1: but... That's something, at least. <laughs> you know what? When you have to use the argument, I've seen worse. Like, yeah, all right, fine. Bump it up just a little <laughs> bit to separate it that much more.
0: Yeah. Point five. That brings us to setting. This is Brightburn, Kansas, which apparently has a population of eight people. <laughs> Cause it's the only way the sheriff can narrow this down that easily to oh, Brandon Breyer. He's a BB. I thought something interesting
1: about the production, at least. The high school in this that he goes to. It's the same high school from Stranger Things. Yeah, it's Hawkins Middle School and Hawkins High. Yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. That is You don't neat. see it on screen, obviously. Right. It's just a fun thing. It's a small town. And oh boy, does it feel small! It does. So you know what? Point five, just to I, oh, give fine. it something there.
0: <laughs> I'm okay I can't with argue it.
1: against myself on that one because it feels real small.
0: Yeah, style and tone. This is interesting because I is feel an interesting like one. I feel like there was thought put into it. There was a goal in mind. Was it executed?
1: If they were going for a slasher that just had moments and a really loose thread to tie them together, then they nailed it. Right. Maybe they knew their audience that they were going for.
0: Stylistically, there were some choices made. There was definitely a a young director who is excited to play with some toys because he's being he's got that James Gunn money.
1: He does, and he shows off some really cool tricks, but then he also shows off some annoying tricks. Like, the flickering light, I hated because the entire time it made it feel like Brandon being menacing was very manufactured. Yeah. He wasn't actually being terribly menacing because it is just a boy with a sock over his head for the most part. <laughs> but when you have flickering lights and you can move within... Uh, the strobing of it, it changes, obviously, the way you see him. It right. makes it look more chaotic, and that's frightening. But he overuses that trick
0: a lot. A ton. This movie is all lights and the line. Brandon?
1: I'm going to go 0.5 again, because for a $6 million budget, it's really impressive. That's
0: true. They, they stretched that for sure.
1: They got a really good bang for their buck on just about everything, because, I mean, even the special effects look good.
0: Yeah, they do. I mean, there's a, a little bit of Matt Jones' jaw that you're like, mm, but for the most part. But then part, he covers
1: it up with his hand. Exactly. Which is perfect.
0: That's the right move. It's the way to do it. Point five music. Timothy Williams. No relation to John, obviously. <laughs> None at all. I got nothing. I for this don't one. even remember there being music. Zero. That's a zero. One liners. Brandon. <laughs> if we have
1: to go with one,
0: that would be it. I mean,. I feel like anytime I hear that name asked in a question manner for the rest of my life, I'll think of this movie. Good enough for a
1: 0.25 for me. I think that earns it a 0.25
0: <laughs> for the name of the main character. Final category is impact on the genre. They're talking about a sequel already. They have been talking about it and talking about dropping it all mysterious like. Ooh. I don't care for that. I think it would benefit this kind of movie more than having a huge campaign leading up to it
1: I feel like there needs to be some sort of middle ground for this because I feel like when you just drop it out of nowhere you kind of put the movie itself on a pedestal that's fair and I just don't think that this is one that deserves that type of thing like (laughs) if Martin Scorsese put out a trailer and all it said is a new film by Martin Scorsese May 2023 and that's the whole thing it's like yeah he's putting his time to put out a baller trailer like that yeah
0: that's that would be ballsy and honestly sign me up
1: I'm absolutely in. But with this, it's like, okay, you drop it out of nowhere. It's like, that doesn't make it good. Right. That just makes it that you dropped it out of nowhere.
0: That's all it is. Like Brandon did to his mom. hey Aha! am not proud of that.
1: I think just the idea of taking an origin and some lore that we know so well and trying to change it. Yeah. Just to make us uncomfortable, make us think a little bit differently about it. It is a sort of what if, for right. sure. And there are Superman stories that are sort of like this already out there but there hasn't been a film about it and he's never been this evil
0: right yeah your Ultraman usually isn't just going around killing people willy-nilly
1: uh, I'm gonna go point two five just to acknowledge its existence
0: yeah for the it, most part <laughs> it has an impact that's yet to be seen I'm sure but right now it's it's minimal
1: it's living in that TBD world right
0: now yeah 0.25 is appropriate. That is going to give Brightburn a total score of 3.75. That's fine with me. I think that is a comfortable place for it to live.
1: If not, a little bit too high for my liking. But I think it's it might actually be a little low, So It's so, arbitrary.
0: Then that means it's in the right place because it averages your low expectations with my high.
1: Nailed it. We did it again. Perfect. <laughs> so, Brian, I guess
0: next question is, what are we talking about next week? Well, next week is November 1st. So it's still in that, that spooky season area. So we want to get you with another one that's a little on the creepier side, maybe. I don't know. I've never seen it. We're talking about The Crow.
1: You know what? I've never seen The Crow either. And I've been wanting to watch it since we started this show because of the backstory and the production stories behind it.
0: Oh, that's gonna make for a fun Because they episode. are
1: beyond famous. I like how you said a fun episode because someone got murdered on set. Well, I didn't know that. Well, you're gonna find out the hard way then, Brian. When you research the crow.
0: <laughs> oh fun. I should not be doubling down in that word. <laughs> no, that's a bold choice. Well, you know what will be fun. November? The rest of November, because we're yeah. following that movie up with Toxic Avenger Part Three. The gore is just gonna keep coming.
1: It absolutely will. And that is like proper I don't know, it's not even B movie. I you know what? It's it's
0: an A movie in my heart. It's trauma. It's trauma. It's a thing of beauty on its own. We love it because of how absolutely insane it is. Absolutely. Follow that up with celebrating episode 150 with Avengers Infinity War. It's finally We're finally here. there. We finally got there. The only way to follow up that is, of course, with an Ebert, but not just any Ebert. This is the Ebert that's being selected by our patrons. You still have a couple more days if you're listening to this On release day, October 25th, you still have a few more days to get in your nominations on the post, on Patreon, for anything on the Ebert list you want us to talk about. And then we will put it up to a vote at the beginning of November to choose what this movie is going to be. And if our patronage exceeds $350, you're going to get to choose December's Ebert, too. Oh,
1: yeah, we're giving a lot of control to our patrons. So if you want to have a little bit of that control head on over to patreon.com slash kpodcasters.
0: And we're going to finish the month off with The Death of Superman Lives. It's a documentary about the Kevin Smith Superman movie with Nick Cage.
1: The failed Superman movie, which I think the world knows about, but it should be noted every single time that's brought up because the story behind it is fascinating. I'm so happy we're going to be talking about a documentary for that one. That's
0: exciting. It's our first foray into documentaries. You know, earlier this month, we did a video game on Patreon. Now we're doing documentaries. We're trying all sorts of new stuff.
1: I like how we did a video game, but we just kind of hit it in a way. Because we barely talked about the video game. Yep. And it was really just a vehicle for us to come up with a better Superman game on the fly.
0: (laughs) Which was so much fun. Which we
1: absolutely
0: did. Yeah, we made a better game. We absolutely made a better game. Head on over to Patreon to hear that. And since we're talking about November... We're also going to be doing Smokey and the Bandit on Patreon next month. so
1: We absolutely are. I can't wait for that one either.
0: And if you haven't heard Mario Brothers yet, seriously, get on Patreon. We're doing so much stuff on Patreon, and all the money this month is going to Extra Life Foundation.
1: I bet you guys can't wait for us to stop saying that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to wait until at least mid-November, because even after this month is over, we're still going to be donating money. We're going to still be raising money at the charity stream on November... 12th and 13th i think it is. I think so too. Uh all of the money from our super stuff store which guess what, check it out, it's got new merch on it, all sorts of new t-shirts. Hit the merch store and all the proceeds for those are going to Extra Life too. So,
1: and if you're sitting here getting annoyed at us saying all this stuff's going to Extra Life, you're part of the problem. Become part of the solution, get on patreon.com.
0: Well, slash k
1: podcasters
0: donate and if you have a hard time keeping track of everything we just said, just go to katepodcasters.com, click on some links, you'll find it. It's all there. And you can also follow us on our social media at kpodcasters, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, maybe. Who knows? But follow us there. And you'll also see on recording day, we put up a post asking for your questions and comments about the movie we're talking about. We got a few. All right.
1: Captain Spoiler, Micah writes in, he said, if you could have any other superhero take a heel turn and have a movie made about them, who would it be? And what would their motivation in the movie be for being a bad guy?
0: I like that he's including motivation.
1: It's important. That's a guy who's seen Brightburn and realized there was It's Extremely important to have motivation.
0: (laughs) It's hard because I feel like most of these superheroes have a villain opposite them that's just the same powers as them. Every every you're making it sound like you want
1: to like make Bizarro the hero.
0: (laughs) That would be interesting. Not where I was going, but I like that thought. I would watch that. Bizarro saving the world. I like it. No, I was thinking like what if he had like just an evil Iron Man? Just like Tony Stark is still just terrible.
1: Just leans in hard to the weapons again. So the weapons. Like, oh, like, must- even harder now, though. The uh, cover is just him and Kim Jong-un just hugging.
0: <laughs> They're trying to blow me up with my own weapons? Well, guess what? I'll destroy the whole world with my weapons. That's a pretty good one. I'd watch it. I think for mine, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Wolverine.
1: Oh. Yeah, I think he finally gets fed up with the world. Yeah. And he just goes ham on everybody. Well, see, that'd be interesting, because how do you kill Wolverine? Not quite sure how you'd kill him, but that's what they're going to have to figure out in the movie. They have to, like, drain his bones. <laughs> drain his bones. Like, heat him up real hot, boil it, animantium inside him, and then just drain his bones.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then he's just stabbing you with bone claws. That's only going to hurt a lot.
1: I can't believe I went X-Men for it.
0: That's surprising, but...
1: Yeah, well, everyone else has their opposite already. It's yeah, it makes it tricky. Well, there you go. Thank you, Micah. That's a good question. The thinker. Bill Hawkins writes in. He says, question, why did this thing fly under the radar so much? I figure a James Gunn superhero vehicle in 2019 would have a lot of weight behind it. Mm. Yet I never knew it existed until now, and it didn't even outgross 1991 action comedy caper, the Hudson <laughs> Come Hawk, on. which had $97 million worldwide.
0: <laughs> Man.
1: Phil, this is why I love you. He will Good not give you. up on that Hudson Hawk. And you know what?
0: I'm loving it now.
1: Micah, Phil. Thank you for writing in. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for The Crow.
0: Same pod time.
1: Same pod, Brandon.